Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, uh, Season 4, Episode 2. We're, we're gearing up towards the big kickoff against Norwich. And uh, I just want to g- uh, give you a few words from a book called The Romance of the Three Kingdoms, or Sanguoyan Yi in Chinese, uh, which was written by someone called, uh, I think it's Lao Ben or Lao Guanzhou, about 300 years ago, I think. And it, it begins, the world under heaven, after a long period of division, tends to unite. After a long period of union, tends to divide. This has been so since antiquity. And I chose those lines because not only have the plans for the European Super League not been shelved, given a ruling yesterday, we might talk about that at the end of this show, but also there, 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 there are, you know, the, the, a few cracks in the unity of Liverpool fans regarding transfers, which we will also get onto in a bit. Um, I'm joined today by Abdul, by Alan, by Fergus and by James and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by all four of those Reds and uh, we're going to kick off talking about happier stuff, something we can all get behind and that's Trent's new deal. Um, So Trent Alexander-Arnold of course uh, signing a new contract into 2025, putting him up there with the top earners in the club. I'm going to go in reverse alphabetical order and start with James. James, welcome to Cop On. It's your it's your debut. Uh, and tell us, what, what do you think about Trent's new deal? Yes, thank you for having me. I think it's a great um, piece of news for the club that not many journalists actually saw coming. And I think someone from being from the area it's such a big boost for the club that he's committed his future now totally absolutely um superb fergus he's the he's the best uh, best right back in the world in your opinion uh yeah hi owen i would say he's one of the best um but having said that i can't name off the top of my head some of the others but he's up there he's only 22 he's got a long way to go he's what he has done is um transform the way fullbacks play and the way they're looked at. Um, he's really, with Klopp and with Robertson, he's he's um, kind of found a new role for fullbacks or a new, a new sexiness, a new coolness for fullbacks because now they're creating goals. He takes free kicks, um, great passing. So, um, yeah, it's wonderful for the, the club. And um, he's only 22. He's, he's got a long way to go. I'm sure he'll be Liverpool captain um, probably by the time he gets his next contract, um, even though he has he has captain Liverpool once, I, I seem to remember in, in uh, towards the end of the season. Um, but the other thing, then now we have to tie up Allison and Van Dijk to long term contracts as well. And Fergus, are you worried about Mo Salah as well? Because I think he's he's got only got two years left on his deal. Oh yes, you're right, Salah as well. Um, it's all a matter of negotiation, isn't it? The players know their worth, the club know what they can pay, and um, it's going to come down to negotiation. What's in our favour with keeping these big players is that, you know, the huge Spanish giants—they've fallen away, they've fallen sort of um, fallen down down to some sort of financial uh, decimation. Um, PSG are still doing well. But uh, apart from that, there's nowhere really for, for uh, our top players to go. So they might as well stay at home. There's probably going to be a period of transfer fee deflation and wage deflation. So they'll have to accept that. Yeah, very true. I mean, we'll have to see what happens regarding the the finances. I mean, the, the effect of all of the, the, the COVID thing. We haven't quite seen the full... You know, the full ramifications of what's going on there yet, have we? But uh, there you go. Um... Alan, uh, Alan Coyne's joining us for the first time. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, Alan. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, wonderful news. He signed a new deal, local lad. Um, it's great that, you know, he's he's one of the big players to, to commit his future to the club. Um, but about Trent, um, you know, the old question, would you keep him 
right back? Or do you see by the time he reaches the end of this contract in 2025, can you see him in midfield? Hello, Owen. Thanks for having me on. Hi, lads. Uh, I think it's fantastic news that nobody was surprised. But yet it was just out of the blue. It was lovely. I can't see him moving out of that position for, for the reason that he's made of his own. I think we'd lose too much. And probably, yes, at the end of the next contract, maybe. But, um, the thing that amazes me about Trent is he's, he's one of our own. He's from the city. And he doesn't feel the pressure, which is which I think is what makes him the player he is. I think he's, he's well-deserved his new contract and he's just going to be there forever. Well, yes, we can hope so. So much to look forward to. And you're right, he is so cool under pressure. He never... He never seems flustered, does he, Abdul? Um, were were you? Uh, I don't know. Were you were you leaping uh, up in in joy, uh, or were you sort of quietly, you know, the 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 fires of your interior heart were just burning that bit brighter, and as you calmly uh, smiled and praised uh, the the heavens that Trent signed a new deal, or was it just kind of normal, and then you got on with your day? Uh yeah, it was um it was really good news actually. It was a really positive feeling when I when I when it came through to me. Um the thing with Trent, like Alan was picking up on, he's a really confident young player. And I, I remember a few years ago there's an interview, I'm not sure who it was with, but he was saying like, um, if I need to leave Liverpool, I mean it depends on where Liverpool is at in the situation, but I mean I could I, I would be open to going to join a different club, but it depends on where Liverpool is. So it's never been an absolute certainty to me that Trent was going to live out his future here at the club. If the club did do a complete reversal of everything that we've done under Klopp and we went back to being a mid-table club, I have no doubt in my heart that Trent would have left us for a, a, whichever club was doing better at that time, maybe Barcelona, maybe Real Madrid. So it's always been a minor, minor mar- worry in my head that we wouldn't be able to um keep Trent happy but the club's in a great position right now um it's a great time for him to sign a new long-term contract um and yeah I think it's a contract which is going to cement him as um one of the highest earners of the club hopefully but also a, a, a strong part of our leadership group going forward I think everybody wants to start prepping him to be managed uh, sorry uh what do you call it captain at some point in the not so distant future so i think this is that natural next step for trent and i don't think um i think i think everybody expects him to one day pick up that captain's armband so yeah whether it's at right back or whether it's in midfield i don't really mind um i would love to see him in midfield at some point and i think he needs to do that earlier rather than later otherwise he's going to be like 27 28 trying to learn how to play midfield which wouldn't be ideal so hopefully we have some kind of transition plan sorted out for him so that he can step into midfield um, or he'll just 100% just go for right back. Either way, doesn't matter. Great player, great, great long-term contract for Liverpool. And um, yeah, good bit of news in this summer when we're all waiting for some kind of news regarding transfers. So yeah, happy times. Indeed, happy times. It's nice to have some positive news, isn't it? Great answers. Everybody, thank you very much. Yeah, me too. I'm very happy about it, of course. Uh, There's a certain joy of watching Trent uh, dominate that right-hand side, like Cafu could and like uh, Danny Elvis could. Um, and very, very few other players. Uh, it's, it's, It's kind of extraordinary. Although there is slight concern for me going forward is is just if we play for example Harvey Elliott in on the right hand side or or Thiago Alcantara a technical sort of player uh, on the right hand side of the midfield three then there's no one to sort of you know sprint back and cover Trent's position um, if we do get turned and that's something that I think uh, you know hopefully we'll we'll look at going forward Um, but anyway um, speaking of you know, recent things. Uh, there was the the performance of Hertha Berlin against Liverpool. Of course, we lost. We lost four three. Uh, there were um, looking at the stats here: twenty two shots for Liverpool and six in total for Hertha Berlin. Four of them on target. 
uh, and they scored four goals. Uh, Liverpool had ten on target and we scored only three goals. Um, obviously, we can't look too much at the result as something important, James. But uh, is it a question of you know you're you're happy that we you know our, our our preparations are going well? We seem a lot better. We seem a lot stronger than in previous games, and we're moving in the right direction towards the start of the season. And then when Allison gets back. We're going to win that one at least three nil. I don't know. What do you think, James? Yes, I mean, there's a uh, some very good points. I would probably say the latter because they're trying to build their fitness up, and we obviously haven't got the full first team back yet. So three goals is quite quite a good amount to score, obviously. But I did think that defensively we should have been better at set pieces. Um, I do think that this result highlights the fact that there needs to be some activity in the transfer market. I am one of those um, Liverpool journalists and also supporters that thinks that if Manchester United are strengthening with Jadon Sancho, Rafael Varane, and also um, Chelsea are probably going to make a signing at some point, and Manchester City, possibly Jack Grealish, I'm I'm shocked that Liverpool haven't tried to sell some fringe players and try and put that money into signing maybe someone like Manuel Locatelli or Federico Chiesa because I think they really need some uh, some more power in midfield. I don't think there's enough goals coming from the midfield, which has been a problem for a while actually. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't look too much into the result. I think it's good that to have Virgil Van Dijk back, Joe Gomez back, and I think that um, we can build positively from that. Okay, yeah, thank you very much. We'll get into uh, yeah transfer uh, transfer dealings in a bit, but um, I want to stay with the with the Hertha Berlin game and, and what what that could tell us. You know, little clues, little inklings that we can uh, take uh, from from that game. Uh, the starting lineup was uh, Quivin Kelleher in goal, and then Simikus, Konate, uh, Matip, and Trent at the back. In midfield, we had Cater, Milner. And Harvey Elliott, and up front, Sadio Mane, uh, Takumi Minamino, and Mohamed Salah. Uh, Fergus, uh, if you could choose any of those players to talk about, or you know, as a block, the defence, the midfield, or the attack, uh, you can go wherever you like for, uh, with it. Um, who do you want to talk about, and what do you want to talk about? Yeah, I think the the front three have probably showed um, that they're. Um, they're all looking lively. They, the link-up play could probably be improved. But, I mean, Mane's form early um, pre-season has been good. Salah's looked very lively as well. Minamino got a goal, <clears throat> so he'll be pushing for a start. Um, Oxlade has been starting in, as the, the false nine, the Bobby Firmino position, but um, he didn't start this game. But he's looked uh, very fit as well. So... Uh, the front three is looking encouraging. Obviously, Harvey Elliott is a candidate now for the midfield. Um, he's doing well, but as you say, if he's got to cover Trent on the right-hand side, we're not sure he's got the legs to do that. You know, He, he hasn't really shown that he has, but he's brilliant um, on the ball and um, <clears throat> getting his head up and playing through passes, etc. So that's it. Um, as for the backs, Konate is looking great. Um, uh, really good signing. So and the fullbacks uh, Trent and and um, Robertson um, are well. Robertson just arrived back. They're both uh, you know very reliable. We're gonna we know what we get from them. Um, so yeah, overall it's looking encouraging. Uh, I wouldn't be too worried about um, squad depth at this point. I think that uh, as I said before, Liverpool have got a lot of highly paid players on the books. It's time that that they like people like. Chamberlain and Keita stepped up to the mark and started proving their worth. And um, there's likes of Minamino, Harvey Elliott, who are hungry to prove themselves as well. Yeah, absolutely. There, there, there are lots of people with with points to prove, which is which is very good going into the season. I would include Sadio Mane in that bracket as well, because by his own admission, he wasn't the best uh, last season. And uh, I don't know, he's looking dangerous. He's got, he scored another goal, of course, um, which was uh, pretty pretty. Uh, Quick thinking, you know, nice, nice reaction uh, off the deflection to then have the lovely finish into the corner. Um, Alan, what about you? What what stood out for for you from from that match? 
Yeah, well, I think uh, what stood out for me was uh, Simicass. Uh, I think we all know we need a backup for Andy Robertson. Uh, he had a very hard time when he came in last year with getting COVID and injuries. Plus, with our, with our back four being uh, decimated, Klopp didn't want to ch- chance anything. So I've been very impressed with Simicass. I think he's shown the, the reasons why we bought him. I was disappointed and feel sorry for Minamino. He just, um, I know he got a goal and he looked okay. To me, he has the look of a player that's not happy. Doesn't look like he's settled and he doesn't look like he's hungry. I don't know why, maybe it's just me, lads, but he just had a, a face. His face just kind of says to me that he doesn't think he deserves to be there or he doesn't want to be there. No, yeah, it's very interesting, yeah. Because um, uh, there was that, that video going around... It's just a little thing, but when when uh, there there were these forfeit rondos or something like that, and the losing team had to do ten press ups, and he was sort of late, you know, getting down on the ground to to do the press ups, and then he sort of very half heartedly did he didn't he didn't he barely moved his arms doing the press ups, and I, and I do wonder if 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 uh, yeah you think that yeah maybe that's that's indicative of someone who. Who can't settle, Alan? I mean, what would you do if you were, for example, if you were Klopp, if you were part of Liverpool to, to try and help him, try and motivate him, try and make sure that he, he knows that he has a place in the squad if he works really hard? That's a, good, that's a very good question, Owen. Uh, I think we know what Klopp is like. He likes to put his arm around a player and, and help him along. Uh, maybe a little bit of tough love. Uh, tell him he's six months to prove himself and cut her losses at that. Um, I don't like saying that a good player, but you know, if he's given a kind of a timeline and saying, "Look, I'm going to play you for the next six months. You're going to be on the subs. Show me what you've got." And if not, I'm afraid he just had to be cut. Yeah. Okay. There you go. You're a cold-hearted man, Alan. Yeah, but no, very good. I understand. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you have to be a bit ruthless if players aren't up to scratch. Of course, you do. Um, Abdul, what what stood out for for you from from the Hertha Berlin game? Um, so far in preseason, uh, we've kind of fallen into um, a bit of a rhythm where Klopp will basically in the last few games he just played the strongest team possible. So it's given us a real insight into how his thoughts are starting to line up for the Norwich game in two weeks. Um, but even even though you know we've had like four weeks of a preseason training camp, uh, and we are playing our strongest team possible at the moment, it's still um, it's really funny or interesting that by the time Norwich comes around, six of the players in that team might not even start. Or I mean, if you think about it, Simikas, um, he did great performance. He's had he's having a great preseason, really showing to Liverpool fans what he was bought for. Um, he managed to get an assist against Hertha Berlin, which is great because it was, it was great defensive work from him first. And then in the final third, he showed very clear uh, thought to actually pick out the right pass for Mane. So two really positive signs there, both offensively and defensively. And then Robbo is pretty much almost guaranteed to come back in in that position, regardless of how well Simikas does. Um, at centre-back, yeah, Matip and Konate are doing well. But if Virgil is fit, then I expect him to come back in. In midfield, we could expect, we could maybe even expect all three of our midfielders to be completely different. We could have Fabinho come back in, Henderson come back in, Thiago come back in. Um, And up front, we could have Minamino or Oxlade drop out for Firmino. So we're playing our strongest possible team, but there's a lot of changes to come basically still. And Alisson in goal. Um, So what's really picked my eye... um, is the kind of situation that we find ourselves in. Somebody said it just a few answers ago, but there's a lot of players with something to prove, which is kind of crazy considering the last three years that Liverpool have had. We've become Premier League champions, we've become Champions League champions, World Club, World Cup champions, but there's still so much of our squad that has something to prove, not just to the Liverpool fans, but maybe for Trent, to the England fans, he wants to make a case for being right back for the England team. But that's a really good position for a squad to be in. They're not resting on their laurels. There's players who, like Cater, like Oxlade, who have to make a mark this year. Otherwise, they're out. Like Minamino, have to make a mark. Javier also wants to make a mark. 
Curtis Jones wants to make a mark. Simicast wants to make a mark. Firmino, Mane all want to make a mark. Salah always wants to make a mark. Uh, Van Dijk, Gomez want to make a mark. Matic wants to make a mark. Alisson's dropped off for Brazil. He wants to make a mark. So mentally, the squad is in a really good position. They really got the bit between the teeth. They really want to go for it this year. And that's great for Liverpool. Um, starting lineup wise, um, I'm kind of viewing it like an Olympic heat at the moment. So, for example, Naby Keita, he's played an exceptional preseason so far, um, but he still has a battle on his hands these next two weeks to keep Henderson or Thiago from just walking back into the team. So every single match for him is like an Olympic heat. He has to win that heat. He has to make a mark, prove it, and then he'll get an opportunity in the next match after that. And if in two weeks uh, he has, uh, he's improved and he, he's, he's proven to Klopp that he deserves to start, then that will be as a result of every single performance between now and that Norwich match. So it's all up in the air, not just for Naby, but for Harvey Elliott as well, for Costas as well. I think he has a choice. If he puts in two more blinding matches in preseason, then who knows? Who who would who would deny him? Minamino as well. We've just talked about how he doesn't look so confident, but. If he puts in good performances and Firmino isn't quite up to the same level of intensity, I could definitely envision a future where Klopp starts him against Norwich. So it's all up in the air and it's just good that we're injury free and all of these players are really trying to go for it. So that's the most exciting thing for me. Just wait. It's been a really good preseason, I think. Lovely stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, Simikas is looking sharp, isn't he? Um, I, I wonder if, you know, possibly... Uh, with Robbo being the most unbelievable left-back, um, uh, Tsimikas is, you know, sort of pushing him. He's doing very well. But if there is, you know, heaven forbid, a, a, a an injury to Trent, um, people have flagged on other podcasts I've been listening to that we don't have much cover. I mean, Joe Gomez, who's, you know, not, not the greatest out there. But I wonder if maybe either Tsimikas or, or Robbo could adapt and, cover on the right hand side so that we they could both get on the pitch at the same time because yeah Simika he is a bright spark and you mentioned all the people with with uh, things to prove there um you know big verge and joe gomez coming back from injury i mean they're going to want to prove themselves you know Virgil prove that he hasn't lost it he wants to come back stronger uh, Joe Gomez as well he's got a he's got a mammoth fight on his hand to partner you would assume Virgil once Virgil gets back to you know even 70% of his 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 quality but uh, that moment of them coming onto the pitch together uh, James was a real positive and how happy are you with our centre-back options yeah, I think it's uh, really good news that um, Ibrahim Konate has been settling in very well, which is great news. And I think Joel Matips is just, just trying to gradually build his fitness back after spending a lot of the end of last season out. Um, I think it's good if Liverpool keep Nat Phillips. I think that there's been a lot of transfer speculation that he could go to Brighton as a replacement for Ben White, but I actually think that if Liverpool happen to have another defensive crisis like last season, I really think that we need strength and depth. So I think Manchester City have six centre-backs. So really, I think five is a good amount to have uh, in case there are injuries. Um, what about Ben Davis? He's a really good member of the group, apparently, in the dressing room. So I think that I'm not sure if he's a first-teamer, like a starter, but it's certainly a good player to have around the group. But I think that uh, we can be much happier with the defensive options that we have this this sorry this year now than we did this time last year. Well, yes, absolutely. Okay, um, because uh, I mean six is is rather a lot of centre backs. I mean, if if you don't have an injury crisis like we had last season, but let's say three of them get injured again, uh, then you know even then we've got we've got uh, we've got. At the moment, as it stands, we've got, for example, if the same three get injured, have more long-term injuries, then we've got Konate, Phillips, uh, and Ben Davis at the back. I think that that's uh, that's more than enough quality, and I think it's up to them, James. No, I mean because if if the defender's saying, "Well, I'm not I'm not going to hang around to wait." to see if we get three major injuries, I'd rather just build my career somewhere else like Brighton, then you couldn't really stand in their way, could you? No, yeah, I, I completely get that. Um, it's just that from a, from a 
fans' perspective, we didn't win anything last season. So um, the FA Cup is something not we've not won for 15 years. So really, we need to be challenging in all tournaments. And you see Manchester City, of course, they have more financial power, but they are always competing in all f- four tournaments in the back end of the season, uh, while Liverpool are often only in Premiership and the Champions League and they're out of the domestic cup competition. So really, we need strength and depth. So that's where, you know, squad rotation and using a squad comes in handy. But yeah, like you say, if um, Nat Phillips will want to walk into the Brighton team and be the main player, then you can't begrudge him of that. Yeah, it's well, I mean, it's curious, isn't it? Because Manchester City, I don't think we'll ever be able to compete with them. Um, I looked at it in the last week. Um, they've have spent uh, since the beginning of the eighteen nineteen season. They've spent forty million or more on twelve players, uh, and Liverpool, by com- in comparison, have spent uh, forty million or more on seven players. So they have five. 40 million pound or more players than we do in their squad and if you can imagine what that would do to our squad to have you know that kind of cover in 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 five more positions than we currently do then that's uh, that's extraordinary that's what we're um that's what we're competing with and that's that's that brings me on to my next question Fergus when we look at Manchester City um, at the moment, their sort of B team would be Gabriel Jesus up front, Grealish and and uh, Ferran Torres. And then in midfield, Fernandinho at the base with Bernardo Silva and Foden. And then at the back, Mendy, Laporte, Ake and Walker. And then their A team, if they sign Harry Kane, would be Harry Kane up front with Sterling and Mahrez, uh, Rodri, Gundogan and De Bruyne in midfield and then at the back Zinchenko, Diaz, Stones and Cancelo with Edison in goal or whatever. That's two absolutely phenomenal teams, isn't it? Are you worried about them, Fergus? Or should I say how worried are you about them? Yeah, City are the... They, they really hate that image that they're... that they're... Um, basically cancelling uh, competitive football with money. But it's really what they're doing. The club, the club really fights against that image because, you know, they're, they're sports washing and they want a nice, clean image. <clears throat> but really, you know, this FFP uh, debacle where they weren't charged and they weren't convicted has, has allowed them to do whatever they want now. Um, I've heard... Um, some journalists saying that the recent, well, the, the proposed spending spree within the Premier League, as in uh, buying Harry Kane and Jack Grealish, is because the Premier League has actually got a lot of um, investigations on them in the background. In fact, it was leaked that they were in court during the week trying to stop <clears throat> the, the 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 news that there's a Premier League investigation ongoing for the past two years into Man City's financial um, uh, um, dealings, um, they tried to stop that news from coming out. It, it, the court um, allowed it to come out. <clears throat> but really, <clears throat> the, what some journalists are saying is that they're now sp- splashing this uh, proposed 200 million on Kane and Grealish in the Premier League to, to basically buy favor from Premier League clubs and say, hey, listen, you know, we're not just going to spend our money abroad. We're going to spend it, spend it in the Premier League. So it's really cynical, and it, it wouldn't surprise me that that's part of their, their, their style. Um, so, but it, when it comes to the football field, we do have to compete. We can't compete with them. It's really financial doping, and, and you have to, you know, we have to come to a point um, where we do have some sort of regulation about, about financial fair play, um, a, 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 a equitable playing field. It doesn't... The league doesn't um, benefit when Man City is playing West Brom or Fulham or, or um, you know, one of the promoted teams or even one of the mid-table teams, um, because it's just it's not not a um, level playing field. And um, although I wasn't necessarily in favour of the Super League as it was proposed, and there was a huge backlash uh, from Liverpool fans and others. You know, we really do have a Super League already, but the only problem is it's not regulated. 
So the Super League is there. The, the Super League clubs are already Man City, um, Man United, Chelsea, and Liverpool. Uh, but 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 City are way ahead of the rest. So you know that when it comes to us competing, I think that Liverpool have to be at their best. As I said before, we Klopp is a coach who coaches players. He's not a checkbook manager. Guardiola is both a checkbook manager and a coach. Um, Klopp is first and foremost uh, a coach. So we have to compete on the field by having not the most expensive players. And not the highest earning players, but the best coach players. And that's the way we have to compete in both the Premier League and the Champions League. And I think we'll give City a run for their money. Um, they they might have a bit of a, a hangover after winning the title last season. So what I would hope is that we can get off to a flyer, uh, win most of our first eight games. Um, you know, maybe have 24, 21 points after eight games, and then teams will just be looking at us saying, oh, no, Liverpool are back. And, uh, you know, after a while, they'll just give up. That's my hope for the season. Yeah, very, very reasonable answer indeed. Yeah, our opening fixtures, uh, just to remind you, are Norwich City away, Burnley at home, Chelsea at home, Leeds away, Palace at home, Brentford away, Manchester City at home. Um and I've, I can't, can't count to eight as too much, but the next one is Watford away and then Manchester United away. It's, it's, that brings us up to, to the 23rd of October. It's it's um, a start to the season that could be very exciting. The few, I mean, every game's massive, isn't it? But if we can get off to a um, a flyer, then, then you never know. Yeah, Manchester City, you would think that their players will focus on the Champions League uh, more than anything. Uh, but uh, yeah, that, I mean... Pfft, there is this concern, Alan, and we can't we can't you know comment on ongoing court proceedings, um, but you know according to what the Guardian wrote, um, Manchester City have lost a ruling by the Court of Appeal, which confirms that the Premier League is continuing to investigate the champions for alleged breaches of financial fair play with one of the judges stating that part of the club's argument was, quote, entirely fanciful, unquote. How worried are you, Alan, about uh, Manchester City? First of all, Fergus, are you reading my notes? Because <laughs> I just you just said about everything I had wrote down here. Yeah, so I can't really add to that. But on, on Man City, I think, um, of course, they're a good team and nobody can deny that. But um, uh, like Fergus said there, if I... And yourself, if I think if we win the first eight, ten games, City will fall back. So I think City are more a team of individuals that are doing a job rather than our club, which is led by Clough and his ethos of teamwork and playing for the team. So of course you have to respect City because of their money. I think I think if we go ten points ahead, City are just going to fold. And concentrate on the Champions League, which is is what Pep wants. Um, and after that, I can't say much more because, as said, Fergus just <laughs> must have read my notes. <laughs> <laughs> no, great, great, absolutely, no, very, very good answer. Um, Manchester City are, yeah, I mean they are a bit of a concern, but then at the end of the day, there is so much value in the transfer market that we've talked about so often on Copon that you can get great players for, you know, twenty million. You don't need to spend a hundred million. Um, you know, there is an argument to say that Aston Villa, having lost Grealish, which they're bound to, for a hundred million, and then replacing him with Leon Bailey, Buendia, and well, one or two other signings, their squad is much better off. Um, Abdul Manchester United. Uh, James mentioned them earlier. Uh, they signed. They have signed uh, Sancho. Uh, so uh, their squad at the moment is um, up front. They've got Rashford, uh, James, Sancho, Juan Mata's still there, which is kind of funny, uh, and a young kid Diallo, uh, Cavani, Greenwood, Martial. Uh, in midfield, they've got Pogba, Van der Beek, uh, Fred McTominay, Matic, and Bruno Fernandes. Um, at the back, they've got Luke Shaw and Teles at uh, left back, Maguire and Bailly, Varane and Lindelof 
at centre back. Of course, they bought Varane as well, uh, and Juan Bissaka and Dallow at right back, and then in goal, Henderson, De Gea. Um, I don't know. Um, are they worrying you at all? Yeah, <laughs> plain and simple. Yeah, um, I think this. I think the Premier League's just so strong at the moment. That's that's as simple as you can put it. Um, every year it gets stronger, and this year it's taken another bigger step. Um, but just the quality of the English game is just completely epitomised by you know how many European finals were played by English teams in the summer, and then um, you know the Euro final itself and the national team. We're we're literally living in the proper golden age of English football at the moment, and it's characterised by this by these three or four teams at the top of the Premier League. Man United, I think definitely after signing Varane, now have every right to be included in the conversation along with City, Chelsea and Liverpool. I think traditionally at the moment, those are the three best teams in the league, uh, City, Chelsea and Liverpool. Um, and splitting them is, is such a such a hard job. It's the only, the only way you can split them is a 38-season, 38-game-a-season league. Um, because on day to day, each one of those teams could beat each other on on their on their day, which is the beauty of football, I guess. I mean, no matter how much Manchester City spend or Man United, they could still get beaten by Crystal Palace or Brentford or whoever. And that's what we kind of love from football. But yeah, the the spending from the two Manchester clubs and maybe even Liverpool, you could argue, and Chelsea definitely, it, it's kind of put those teams in a completely different league. I think Man United did need to make that Varane signing for me to really see them as a challenger, though. Um, If it was just Sancho this summer, then, yeah, they haven't really fixed any of their big issues. But Varane definitely sorts out their defence very nicely. Um, Obviously, people are saying he's a bit washed up at the moment, but he's 28 years old. He's won everything in the game, and he still has another eight years to go, you know, so... If if he if he does Ramos numbers goes to thirty six he still has eight years left of his career. United have signed a top 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 quality centre back, Jadon Sancho. I wanted him at Liverpool early in this window, um, so I'm gutted he's gone to United. But yeah, um, the only kind of uh, kind of I don't know um, respite that we might get from the situation at Manchester United is the fact that they've got Oli at the wheel. Um, I, I rate him somewhat. I don't think he's Pep or he's Klopp. I don't even think he's Tuchel. So managerially, Manchester United still have a bit of a deficit compared to the other three top teams in this league. But the way that football is and the way that the Premier League is, if United start winning games, just like if Liverpool start winning their first eight games, they're right in there with a shout. So more so this season than a lot of seasons, I think it's... It's absolutely pivotal that Liverpool come out of preseason just completely ready to rip raw. And all signs so far are showing that. No injuries whatsoever. We've got our main squad starting 11. Everybody's back fit, happy, lots of rest this summer, lots of plays with something to prove. So hopefully Liverpool can, um, yeah, just start well and not even look behind. Because, um, yeah, the big spenders are coming for sure. I I think Liverpool, having spent 18 million net spend per year, I think for the last four years on average, 18 million only, um, compared to United, who's up to like, I don't know, 200 million or something like that. Uh, Man City, 100 million. No, I think they're both around 100 million. And we're one fifth of what they're spending uh, net um, but I still, th- obviously, we're still competitive. Um, Fergus, we, I mean, well, sorry, before, I just want to read some, some Jaden Sancho stats, actually, because, you know, from last season, compared to the, you know, in the top five leagues, top five European leagues, these stats come from fbref.com. He's in the 99th percentile for assists and passes attempted, uh, and the 93rd percentile on or more um, for expected assists, uh, shot creating actions, passes attempted, uh, progressive passes, progressive carries, dribbles completed, 
uh, and progressive passes received. So, I mean, he's he's an unbelievable talent, Jadon Sancho and Varane at the back, of course, as Abdul said. I don't know, but uh, they've spent big. They've got Varane, they've got Sancho. Um, but I don't think you need it. I'm going back to my old argument. I don't think you need to spend big, Fergus, in order to compete. We've got... As you mentioned, Harvey Elliott coming into the team. We've got Naby Keita, who, if he stays fit, can, uh, you know, both of those players can fix the goals from midfield um, problem that uh, James mentioned earlier. Um, but I don't know, how worried are you uh, about United or, you know, the fact that we, we would need to spend, you know, on, on glaring, to plug the glaring holes in our ship? Uh, as we sail into the new season, Fergus, what do you think? I think we have a, already proven to have one of the strongest 11s in, in the world over the last uh, three seasons. Okay, last season was an aberration. But no, I don't think we need to spend that type of money. Man United are trying to catch up uh, with Liverpool. That's why they're spending huge amounts of money. Man City... Uh, they've got money to bear it anyway, and they just want to blow everyone out of the water. But I think, so United are basically just trying to catch up with Liverpool by signing Sancho, signing Varane. You know, you could you could arguably say that Varane is, is, is like um, Konate, although I don't think he's as good, or he's like Matip or something, you know, he's more like, more like Matip. I don't think he's as good as any of our first four centre-backs. Maybe Joe Gomez and Varane. Uh, there's, a, there's a question there. Um, and then Sancho, you know, he's, is he as good as Salah? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. He's younger. So let's see. But, I mean, they're just trying to catch up. And United's deficit is in their coaching. Um, although as someone just said that uh, if they do win their first eight games of the season, then, you know, it starts to look like a, um, that they're in the title race and they could run away with it. But... Um, I just think that uh, Ollie has got a problem in big games. He's got they've got um, problems breaking down teams as well. He insists on this four-two-three-one. So um, I I I'm relaxed about United only because um, they don't have a world-class coach. Uh, if Ollie was sacked by October or November and they got someone better in, then I would start to be concerned. But um, who is that coach right now? There's not many top coaches available. But um, I think that's United's um, Achilles heel, is just their inability to organize and be, you know, be good attacking and be good defensive. They can't do both together. They're quite good defensive. They're not very good attacking. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you, Fergus. I don't think United are closing the gap i mean they finished last season on uh just check here it was 74 points and i think that with with those two signings they've they've improved by maybe 10 points i mean i can imagine getting 84 85 86 points but i can imagine liverpool doing better even with the squad as it is um james i think you're going to disagree with that i mean i uh, you know, you're you're convinced we need to we need to spend big. Um, so you're not. You said before a goal scoring midfielders. You, you know more goals. So you're you're not convinced that Naby Keita or or Elliot or Curtis Jones can can fix that problem. Um, you know who would you like us to sign? You mentioned Locatelli or uh, Chiesa, but uh, you know you're you're absolutely convinced of that, James. You you don't you you think we definitely need more. Yes, I do. I think that <clears throat> I just think with the the sheer demand of the matches that's going to be on us next season, that there are going to be injuries. Like I think there will be injuries, and we saw that last season when we lost um, six games at home in a row for the first time, and I think our, our history, you know, that was not due to not being good enough that was due mainly because the injuries decimated uh the center-back options the defensive options and we had injuries as well in midfield i personally feel like joe matip and alex oxlade chamberlain very injury prone and navigator as well i feel like navigator is going to get injured at some point it seems a bit negative but i do think that 
um, when you see your rivals spending, like we've seen with Manchester United, and I think Manchester City and Chelsea will do the same um, with, you know, four weeks left at the transfer market. I feel like Liverpool shouldn't be doing a 12-month succession plan like they did with Ibrahim Konate. They needed to replace Dejan Lovren there and then last year. They, they shouldn't be waiting um, for the future. You know, the time is now, really. We can't just write off next season. Otherwise, we could, um, you know, miss out on a golden opportunity. Leicester obviously won the FA Cup, so it shows that there's a gap there that um, could have been taken advantage of. And obviously, the Champions League, I think, was there for the taking. So yeah, I think that if I think a right back is a is a good 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 shout. I think if we sign uh, Joachim Mahle of Denmark, who was one of the best players at the Euros, he would be a fantastic player at right back. I can see someone like him going to Chelsea, but if he does well at another team, it just goes to show that there are several players at the Euros that played very well. Leonardo Spinazzola, but we probably don't need a left back. And he's obviously out for the next six months, but I feel like we need a, a fullback, and that could push Trent into midfield. And obviously, for Manchester City, they have Gundogan, De Bruyne, uh, Mares, Foden chipping in goals. But then I think, well, since Philip Coutinho left, where have our goals been in midfield? I like Curtis Jones; he's a great player, but he's obviously not quite there yet. Um, and now Genie Wijnaldum's left. I do think that. We need to get a replacement for Gina Wijnaldum straight up. I can't, I'm not going to pull any punches there. So there's obviously been a few names mentioned. Uh, I think Ives Basuma will be a good option. Um, Florian House as well. And Saul Niguez as well. Those, those are three good options. So when you hear in the press that Liverpool believe that there is no player on the market right now to replace Gina Wijnaldum, I think I'd disagree. I'd even say Jude Bellingham is a fantastic talent if we could persuade him to come from Dortmund now, then that would also be a good option. So would you say if we signed, like, the the, the Saul rumours are, are strong and getting stronger, um, if we signed Saul, would you be would you be much more confident going into the season, James? Yeah, I thought that was what you were going to ask me. Yeah, I think I, think I would be, yeah. Because if you think about it, Ginny was a, um, a leader in the dressing room and had great endurance levels. And... Jordan Henderson did pick up a few injuries last season. And I think that um, Fabinho's had to play a lot of matches, obviously probably the best central defensive midfielder in the world. But if we do get injuries in that area, um, I really think we need we need another player. Yes, OK. OK. Um, well, I mean, I would agree that we need uh, another midfielder. We've been talking about this uh, for a few, for a little while now in, on Coppon. And it's... Um, I don't know. I'm convinced we need a destroyer more than anything else, but there you go. Um, Can I just add one more thing, actually? I feel like when we couldn't score goals last season, there was that time when we just couldn't score in the first half and we couldn't score any goals. Possibly we need someone, well, Diego Jota, and we've got Firmino, Mane and Salah, but imagine if we did sell Divock Origi because he hasn't scored much in the last two years. If we sold him and we got in maybe Danny Ings and he came back, or we got Lorenzo Insigne um, that could sharpen us up front. I don't know if we have the resources for that, but imagine if we had um, a fifth top striker just to put pressure on the others. You know, it could really boost competition up there and maybe get the best out of us going forward. Yes, um, absolutely. So it's a good point, and it's something that, that would be a lovely luxury. But again, it does does come down to the resources unfortunately but yes absolutely it's a, it's a very good uh, very good idea I'm sure lots of fans would agree with you there um, but regarding goals from midfield I mean there is the way that we play I mean the success we we, we managed in you know we're 97 point seasons which is five more than Alex Ferguson ever managed with Manchester United for example uh, and then to top it with a 90, 99 point season which is, I don't know, it's absolutely phenomenal. We achieved that Alan with a, with a, with a midfield of, of enforcers, you know, that of course they had great skill as well but Fabinho uh, Vineldum and Henderson mainly being, being our first choice midfielders then and I wonder if you would agree with me, because I'm obsessed with this question, Alan, that we need 
the way that we play with uh, Robertson basically allowing him to be a winger and Trent allowing him to be a winger so that we've got five attackers with Mane and Salah on the inside channel and uh, Bobby Firmino uh, causing havoc, pulling defenders this way and that. Um, do Would you agree with me, Alan, that we actually need more of a combative midfielder or would you say that, you know, we need to we need to cover if Cater gets injured or, you know, we need more goals from midfield? What do you think? Yeah, I think I'd agree with you on. Um, I think uh, lots of what Genie did for us it was underestimated. Like, I'd be very disappointed if we don't replace Genie, not just because we've been it's on the pitch, but how many times have we seen Genie with holding up the ball with three or four players trying to get off him, which allows Salah and Mane to get forward. Um, I, I too would like Saul to come in. I think he's a great player. He'd be my number one choice, but. I'm going to say this reluctantly because when I heard it first, I, I was kind of saying no. But having watched him more and looked at his stats, I think a John McGinn type of player that can hold up the ball, has good minutes on the pitch, and links play fairly well is, is what we need. When I heard his name first, I, I must admit I was saying no, go away with that. But having watched him more and looked more into him, I think you're right. And he has that bit of steel in him as well. Um, Goal-scoring midfielders are hard to come by. And like you said, it's not our type of game at the moment. Our, our main purpose of our midfield is to work hard, to supply the balls to the, to the wingers. And I can't see Klopp changing that too much. Hopefully, Naby will stay injury-free because Naby and Ox are the two players that I like to see come on because they run at defences. I think that's the thing we miss from midfield is someone running at a defence. If, if you look at our free kicks and stuff, we don't get enough around the box. And I think we get more when we have players like them running at the fences. Yes, very interesting stuff. Yeah, John McGinn, he's 26 years old. I'd love him at the club, personally. I think he's uh, he's got that steel that you mentioned. Uh, as a homegrown player, that's something we've got to look at as well. Uh, that's an advantage these days. And uh, yeah, he's 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 got a lot to his game that um, that is positive. I, I think he's he would fit in to to club system very well. Um, yes, Alan. Yeah, and he also fits into that thing you said about um, having to spend big money on a player. You know, he's he's like the Andy Robertson type of thing. His price would be reasonable enough. He's not um, world class as people would say. Uh, I, you think he won't be expensive? I think I think Villa will want to keep keep uh, keep him at all costs. I think I think they'd ask for a big fee personally to 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 get him from Villa. They wouldn't want to sell one of their best midfielders, uh, Douglas Luiz as well. Villa seem like a team that they don't need to sell because they're financially doing very well. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, if he, if we can get him for something like twenty million, then yeah, I'd snap their hands off. But I, I I do have a feeling that they they'll they'll ask for something, you know, ridiculous like sixty or seventy million for him to just to put us off, really, because uh, Villa are, they're building something. Um, Abdul, uh, you know, the the one team I, I'm just gonna. I was going to talk about the European Super League, but I can't really be bothered. I mean, these these uh, thieves, these uh, you know, the owners of 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 these clubs. Most of them are pretty. Uh, I don't know. They seem to be very dodgy characters. Uh, all of them, uh, to be honest, uh, most of them anyway. And uh, you know, this is just my opinion. Don't sue me. Uh, but it's just as I see it. And um, the uh, yeah. The, so I don't know. I, I don't really want to go into the the Super League and how it could ruin football as we know it to, to to divide it like boxing you know in terms of money where you've got these different divisions with these different you know big players in these different divisions I think it's an absolutely ludicrous idea and it makes me angry so I don't want to talk about it I want to talk about one more team uh, before we finish Abdul and that's uh, Chelsea because no one's talking about Chelsea they haven't really signed anyone but they their form under Tommy T uh, Tommy Ball, which I find excruciatingly dull, but at the same time very effective. Um, their form had a massive upturn. And looking at the XG, uh, which doesn't tell you everything, of course, but the XG table from last season, they ended up with only 
67 points. They finished two points behind Liverpool in fourth place. But their XG was, was the worst in the league in that they should have scored 10 more goals. They only scored 58 goals and they should have scored 68. And their XG against was also one of the worst in the league, that they conceded five more goals than they should have done. So with the fact that you, you, you can't imagine Timo Werner having as bad a season again, um, it, are Chelsea something that, you know, some it's someone that we've got to also be concerned about. Yeah, <laughs> um, I could probably go on for a whole podcast about Chelsea and Tommy Tuchel, but um, to abbreviate, I would say yeah, absolutely, they are a very dangerous team. Along with City and Liverpool, I think Chelsea are the third strongest team in the league, and um, more so than Man United, they have a perfect synergy of ownership. So Roman Abramovich, the way he's run the club, and then Marina, I can't say a second name, but the, the way that Chelsea is run as a club is the absolute pinnacle of how a modern football club should be run. Man City are actually trying to do what Chelsea are doing. Liverpool are trying to do what Chelsea are doing. But for the last two decades, the way that Chelsea have run their academy system, um, you could argue that the way that they turn over managers is like, you know, a negative, but also... If you look beyond that and you see how much success they have had for the amount of turnover of managers, maybe it looks little, but it's also, I think, quite um, it's quite significant that they managed to regularly be successful as a team. They don't go more than like three years without winning a trophy and they managed to go through so many managers. So it's the complete opposite of what we think is the the way that you should run a club where you have like an Alex Ferguson type who stays there for like two decades and then you're successful with that figure for a long time. Chelsea flipped that on his head and they still managed to be successful. And then their academy is just producing so much talent that they can sell all of that talent every single year, have like 10 billion players come back for preseason training for the first season and then just sell them all off. And they keep the club churning without having um, Roman put in his own money but then if they need him to put in his own money, he can do that as well. So I think they are the absolute pinnacle of what a modern football club should be. And managerially, they've struggled to have the right guy. Um, but then when they got rid of Lampard for Tuchel, at the beginning, it was like, OK, that's a bit harsh. You know, Lampard's done a decent job. But I think they could not have picked a, a more well-suited manager for the Premier League for this particular time in football. And for also the challenge of Klopp and Pep, because Tuchel, he came through underneath Klopp at Mainz. I don't know if he was there at the same time, but he followed Klopp at Mainz, um, picked up a lot of what Klopp was doing in terms of the pressing, um, that really modern style of, you know, aggressive football. But then also he was the Dortmund manager when Pep was in the league with Bayern. And there's a lot of stories about how he idolized Pep, idolized the way that Pep was doing training. Whenever they met with Pep, he would make notes of what they had in the conversation afterwards. So Tuchel is a really serious football guy. Him, Klopp, Nagelsmann, they're all these really forward-thinking German coaches who really want to play football on the very cutting edge. So you've seen immediately the impact that he's had when he's come in at Chelsea. He's changed up the way that they train. He's introduced these um, smaller balls in training sometimes to work on their technique. He's doing all of these like really refreshing kind of training drills, which have kind of got the Chelsea squad out of the, I don't know, sometimes when you have a manager like Lampard, you just become a bit too tunnel focused, just doing the same things over and over. He's refreshing the squad, really changed the, the performance levels of their team. And then they already, as a squad, had so much talent. They had so much experience. They already had title winners, Champions League winners in that squad. So he's come and given them a new edge. And like you say, the XG is the only thing that Chelsea are really missing right now. They just need a striker who can put in the chances that they are making. And if they get Erling Haaland, I feel like the league is pretty much locked off. From, um, a, from a starting lineup point of view, it's really hard to look beyond Chelsea's starting lineup if they get Haaland and Manchester City's starting lineup if they get Kane. And then Liverpool have to compete with that. So it's, it's, it's absolutely mental. And I can't wait to see how the season lines up. But um, yeah, Chelsea are a very, very dangerous team. And even without Haaland, 
they're dangerous. But next season, if they get Haaland, I feel like that unlocks Timo Werner. They can put him on the wing. He can do what Salah does for us, just come in and get goals on transition. I mean, the rest of their team is pretty much sorted. So, yeah, Chelsea are really dangerous. And even though I am a Liverpool fan, I promise, it's just it's so hard to not admire the strength of the other teams in the Premier League at the moment. Man City, Chelsea, even Man United. It sucks to say, but this Premier League season could be really, really entertaining for the neutral fan. Yeah, if only we were neutral. I don't know, but I think it could be entertaining for us. I do have a suspicion that if the league started it tomorrow with uh, all of the players that are currently at all of the teams um, and you can throw Grealish at, at, at City, um, I think Liverpool will win the league. I do. I'm still confident in us. Um, uh, James, what do you think about uh, Chelsea and uh, or any anybody else, any any other of the rivals, I mean, or, or other decent teams like Leicester, Leeds United, these kind of things? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, to start with Chelsea, I think that they'll probably prioritise the Premier League next season. And it's going to be interesting to see how they'll do. Um, Timo Werner will want to have a much better season. Kei Havertz um, has started to got the winning Champions League goal, so I think that he's going to grow as a player next year for them. And we've seen, obviously, their English players like Mason Mount emerge. Um, I hope they don't get Haaland, because I think that that would, you know, I think like Abdul said, I think that that would, um, they would suddenly be able to score all those chances that they were making. Um, yeah, I think that they, I don't think that they're as consistent as Manchester City uh, or, or ourselves in winning every single week in the league. But they do have a manager now that, um, is very talented and very capable. As for Leicester, they've come fifth twice in a row now and had that heartbreak of being third and then finishing fifth in the last game of the season, uh, more or less. But I think that they've invested very smartly. I think Patson Dak is someone that I was hoping we were going to go after, just but we didn't. Just same similar with Daniel Marlin that went to Dortmund, Liverpool, could have gone after him. He got big numbers last season, scoring 20-plus goals uh, for PSV Eindhoven. So Leicester recruited really smartly in the transfer window. So um, they might even get um, Ozan Kabak um, to partner Sonoku in defence. So I think that they've, they're have they going to be strong next season as well. They won't be an easy match. And I think that um, I think it was Pep Guardiola said that Marcelo Biels is one of the best managers in the world, so he has done a great job at Leeds, and to, to get Leeds in the top half of the table and after being newly promoted, I think Leeds will kick on, and Calvin Phillips played really well at the the Euros. Patrick Bamford was unlucky not to make the England squad, so I think Leeds are dangerous, but but hey, like every team in the Premier League is, is good. Anyone could beat anyone. Uh, I think it'd be interesting to see how Brentford do. I think they could cause some damage. Um... I think that it'll be interesting to see what Everton do with Rafa Benitez because um, I think a lot of Liverpool fans were kind of shook up that uh, as if it's like an ex going with your friend, you know. I think that they were quite shocked that he took the Everton job. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does there because they could well sign some good players. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Good answer, totally. Um, we'll go to Alan next and then Fergus to finish. Alan, if the season started tomorrow with all the players that are currently um, at all of the squads, uh, where do you think Liverpool will finish? Like yourself, Owen, uh, I think we'll finish top. Uh, I think it all depends on our start, like we said earlier on. If we get a good start, we can go on a big run and be unstoppable again. However, Apart from Man City, Chelsea would be a worry to me. Thomas Tuchel is, uh, has a history of getting the best out of players, particularly in the first two seasons. I think, like you said, Chelsea or the team is there. He just needed the right man to manage it. And as I said, he seems to get the best out of players for one or two seasons. Seems to fall apart a bit then, all right. But if if he gets to do two seasons in Chelsea, they worry me, especially if they do get Haaland. Um, he's going to be a 25-30 goal a season man for them. Uh, apart from that, I'm quite confident with our team. I think what some of us are forgetting is we have virtually two new signings ourselves 
in Van Dyke and Gomez. And I think they are going to sew up our team, make us a lot better. And I can't see us being bet, to be honest. I like that bullishness. Excellent stuff. Uh, Fergus, what about you? I'll give you the final word on this. I mean, our rivals, There's, we've talked a lot about them, but, uh, you know, how worried are you really? I mean, can Liverpool, as I believe, and Alan believes, uh, just uh, win it anyway, regardless of what the others are doing? Yeah, I think it's going to be a highly competitive season. Uh, Man City, Chelsea and Liverpool, I would say, will be competing for the title. It could be a three-horse race all the way. Um, we do have a very good starting 11, a very good 14. And the reason I would say Liverpool haven't made, apart from Canate, made a big splash in the in the transfer uh, market is that um, it's really in flux. You know, there's a lot of... Um, Fra- most teams in France are struggling financially after their TV deal fell through. Barcelona and Real Madrid can't even pay their wages. So I think now is not the time to be going out and making big signings, signing big contracts, you know. I think there's going to be, um, after the, you know, the, the fallout from the pandemic um, in terms of financial impact on clubs plus TV deals in France and Spain not going the way that the clubs wanted, I think it's um, there's probably going to be a drop in wages, there's going to be a drop in transfers. So it's probably sensible with the strength of Liverpool squad right now to wait until next season or you know and start recruiting the next two seasons when there's going to be a lot more value i mean look at uh Haaland will be available either for a, for a um release clause next season or for free i forget which but quite a low release clause and then mbappe is available for free next season as well so that's incredible that you can get two of the best players in the world for for uh, low prices. Look at Sancho. Sancho was touted as 140, 150 million last summer. He's gone to United this season for 72 million. Um, Chelsea have done nothing in the market yet. Okay, okay, they signed a lot of players last year. Um, and United are just playing catch up really. And City just want to buy, just want to buy the league anyway. So it's hard to compare with them. Um, Leicester will be. You know, they'll probably be competing with Aston Villa this year for fifth and sixth, I would say. And, uh, yeah, that's that's how I, I, I see it at the moment. Yeah, lovely stuff. And it's very interesting, I think, this idea about being prudent in the in the transfer market and, and waiting until the end. I think it's a very, very valid point, Fergus. But, you know, lots of people, lots of other Liverpool fans, of course, will be, uh, you know, kind of losing losing their minds as we get towards I don't know like the the 28th of August and we haven't signed anyone um but you know in, in the last few days of the transfer market I think there will be huge bargains to be had as clubs realize that they need to sell to balance the books especially in countries like France there's a wonderful uh, group of uh, you know wealth of talent in France that could be available for you know around about 20 million so if you're you know on one hand going to spend a hundred million on Jack Grealish but you could buy three players for 60 million who will improve our squad I think that might be the most sensible way to go and if there's one thing about FSG and Michael Edwards is that they like being sensible um, there's lots to think about, there's lots to dream about, there's lots to worry about, there's lots to wonder about. Um, I'm going to basically spend uh, the next while until the next episode thinking about Mo Salah's back heel uh, in that friendly uh, over and over again in my mind. But I want to thank uh, very much uh, Alan and James for making their debuts and uh, Abdul and Fergus for being on this episode. It's been great talking to you all. Um, thank you. And, uh, you know, let's uh, let's keep uh, believing and keep, keep those dreams uh, on the positive side. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.